As I walked on through Chattel Street, a fair maid I did meet. She asked me to see her home, she looked and blinked straight to me away. Santi, my dear Annie, oh, you New York girls, can you dance the polka? The Long Haul Podcast, America's Irish Voice. Interviews with inspiring immigrants, renowned Irish personalities, and discussions on all things Irish America. Presented by Michael Dorgan and Johnny Kennedy. In this podcast, we interview former Donegal New York club manager Donald Gallagher. Affectionately known as The Veteran, Donald's managerial career spanned three decades in which he led Donegal club to six New York senior football counties. Donald was also the man who brought Cork football legend Larry Tompkins to New York in the 1980s during a golden era for Gaelic football in the Big Apple. In a remarkable tour in 1987, the Donegal club travelled to Ireland and beat Cork, Mayo and Leash before drawing with Donegal. We interviewed Donald last year as part of Larry's recently released autobiography. Tompkins' move to New York ultimately led to him joining Castlehaven and Cork where he cemented his place among the GAA greats. In essence, there was no Larry Tompkins story without New York and Donald Gallagher. You can check out our two-part interview with Larry Tompkins and all of our previous podcasts on thelonghaulpodcast.com. In this interview, Donald discussed the Tompkins era, Donald's managerial career, and New York GAA past and present. We began our chat by asking Donald about his immigration journey to the US as an 18-year-old back in the 1960s. Yeah, I grew, I, I grew up in Killybegs, and my parents were from the village of Ardraa, so I'm not sure where, where I got the interest in football. But I was a lone ranger at the gable of the house, kicking a ball and no team uh, in Killybegs. Uh, uh, the, the team that I remember vaguely was a senior team playing the, in the championship and there was two very big names, uh, Frank Stockwell and Sean Purcell playing for Killybegs. I don't know what they were doing in the town, but they were obviously doing some kind of a job. And uh, I think they were playing our draw down in, down in an old field not far from our house. But anyway, that, that, that's going to lead, not, not, it's not going to lead to much. Uh, the point I'm trying to make is that we, we didn't have a team in Killybegs until... Uh, Jimmy White started an under-12 team and four of them wound up winning an All-Ireland medal. The two Cunninghams, Manus Boyle and Barry McGowan was Barry McGowan. So that, that was the start of Gaelic football in, in Killybegs in particular. And it, helped, it was helped by the South-West Donegal, uh, Kilcar, Carrick, uh, Glen Colum, Kellard, Rand, Glinties. And we're hoping that there is kind of a resurgence of that happening. But anyway, um, my I used to go to Gaelic. I came out here when I was 18 and uh, I played a little bit of junior football with Donegal, but I was doing a college degree at night time. And I finished at about 72. I started at 65 and finished at about 72. I would go to Gaelic Park, I wasn't playing football, but I'd go to Gaelic Park and watch the game there. And Donegal, 
senior Donegal senior, senior team lost the New York Championship. Oh, they were knocked out of the New York Championship six years in a row from about uh, six, 78 to 84. And I was, I got slightly annoyed at it. And I says, they're losing these games from the sideline according to my the way of thinking. And uh, was this just as a spectator? Now, just or as a spectator. spectator yeah. Okay. So the, after losing the 84, 84, whatever level of the competition, uh, we, uh, I, I went to the convention that year, and I, somebody put my name up, and I think it was the chief or somebody like that, <laughs> and uh, I accepted the the, the, uh, the nomination. I wound up manager for the Donegal football team but uh, uh, I always thought that they had never had a presence around the middle of the field or centre half forward so I I started my search for players and, and uh, at the end of 78 I think no at the end of 84 sorry and uh, uh I called a friend of mine in Ireland, Mike Wright. Mike kind of mag- uh, so he was a good footballer for Offaly, but he had a, a magazine that he published and he had, he had contacts. And I said, Mike, I'm looking for a, for a couple of players. And uh, he got uh, Porig done. And I says, there's a fellow playing for Kildare. I, and he's scoring a lot of he's getting a lot of scores this was National League that winter and he's getting a lot of scores uh, from from play and from freeze I said but how is he getting these scores is he getting them is he, is he getting them tough is he, is he playing in the trenches oh you'll not get Mike Wright he's, no, no. Mike Wright said you'll not get Larry Tompkins he's he's an all star and he's this and I said, well, will you get me his phone number? So, uh, uh, Wright got his phone number and I called him. And he was a, he was a, a simple man, a humble man. And uh, I, I said, Larry, what are you doing at the moment? I said, I'm managing Donegal in New York. And uh, if you're interested, you know, we'd like to have you over. And he says, well, I'm doing nothing in he says, I'm a carpenter, but not, I'm doing nothing at the moment. So we were, I said, would you be interested in coming out for a game? He says, yeah, why not? I said, this was the month of April. So I took, we flew. And oddly enough, Donegal had lost the two championships the year before at the final stages, the, the junior and the senior. And there was a, there was a motion brought in at the convention that no more footballers from Ireland. <laughs> and I said, this has to go down some way. And Mike Mead was a, was a manager, and I, not the manager, the, the president. And I called up Mike and I said, Mike, yeah, I think I, we've solved a central problem on the team, but we have to take him out for, in the month of April for a game. And you just seen Larry now through newspapers. 
through newspapers. Just newspapers. You were doing your research on this guy. Yeah. So you're picking up your newspaper on the Monday, on say. On the Monday, yeah. yeah. And you were reading, and this, you, that's how you picked up on Larry. Exactly. Wow. Well, it was the score line that I picked up on, and if he was getting the scores, in the, as I say, in the trenches, yeah, he's, he certainly was a player. And uh, but uh, uh, anyway, we got him out for a game in April, and the funny thing he. He came off at half time into the huddle at half time. He says, I'm playing terrible football. And I knew we had our man. Nobody comes to America and says, I'm playing terrible <laughs> Particularly the best footballer in the game. So anyway, uh, he went home and he was an all star. And the all stars went to California at the end of April and beginning of May. And Larry uh, went, was was one of them, and he came back to New York, and he was he was staying on in New York, uh, and uh, uh, at this stage, Donald, you were probably aware, or were you aware of his um, his feelings towards Kildare, or how things had started to go? Yeah, he, he, well, I wasn't aware. That, I wasn't aware that that were. As sour as they were. As they were, yeah. Uh, Larry was a fellow, he, as I said, he was a humble fellow. He wouldn't be, he wouldn't be, he wouldn't blackguard anybody. His, mm. own, his own county, he wouldn't talk ill about them, you know. But um, anyway, he, the, 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 the All Stars went to California and they came back to New York, and Larry had decided he was going to stay on. We had a, we had a job for him. Phil Brennan delivered again. And uh, so uh, did he? Did he play? Did he play championship with Donegal? And he just played a few games that April, was it? Yes, he played a few games that April, and he was our property. And did, did he finish out the championship, or did well, he? Did well, he stayed on in New York then and finished out the championship. Well, he left and came back, and then he finished out the championship, was it? He did, yeah, okay. and he finished out the championship the following year, and uh, then. So we, we won the championship against Sligo in '85, and we won it. We won it against an all-star team of Cavan in '86. And in the meantime, my father, my father had died, and I, I went home to Ireland. I'm not. I forget now what date. And Larry, Larry was left. In, I left Char, Larry in charge of the team. And. He, and he, he nearly killed them, <laughs> <laughs> but he was something else. He was—he was, he was like the the fellow that managed the ice hockey te- ice hockey team for America against Russia. What was his name? Miracle on Ice. Miracle on Ice. Yes. Mm-hmm. But Tompkins was something we we didn't see before. We discussed that the last time with him and Pat had mentioned about it as well. His training methods definitely seem to be, and I know this sometimes gets overused, but to say he was before his time is, near, is definitely an understatement. Absolutely. He was yeah. Before his time. And he, he, uh, he we, we won the uh, 85, and then we won again the following year. The following year was a good, was a good game, but it, the, the, the weather was terrible, and 
uh, raining very heavy, and I decided that we had we'd have a training session on Sunday morning. And uh, the boys thought I was a little bit off the radar, but I said, "No, we need this." We didn't play a game in, in wet weather, and we went up to Van Corden Park and. Uh, this is before the game. Before the game yeah. on Sunday morning, and we kick, we started kicking the ball around, and then and they got they got into a real game, and it, it was it was something else uh, going out to a championship. But I didn't stop it. I I thought it was good. Cavan fielded about seven or seven to ten all stars. There was three Kerry men who had won in All Ireland four four weeks before our game. And and the, the Jar Power Union McIntyre literally didn't give him a ball, and I can't remember the rest. But, but anyway, the game was over after about 15 minutes. We had accumulated a score of about 20 points, to nearly no score. So that that was a that was a that was a great game, but. Uh, Tompkins was at that at that stage of the game established as a leader of the team, and we we had we had a powerful team. Like that. But at that time, the teams outside of Ireland, I think, were as good as the teams in Ireland. I'm convinced that if we had played in the All Ireland, we would have rattled it. That's how good that team was. Because you took them home at some point then and played. The following year in May, we took them home, which was the start. Of, you know, May is the starting month, starting month of the championship, and uh, we uh, we played Cork, a team that the fellow that picked the team thought it was the best team in Cork, but Billy Morgan had just taken over the Cork set set up, and. Uh, we we played we we played Cork when we arrived on we, we arrived Friday and we we uh, played them on Sunday and uh, I think by by half time we were up by, by about sixteen points against Cork which was thought to be the best county team that Cork had at the time but then we went we went to Mayo uh, Westport. Uh, on Wednesday evening, and we um, the, it was a tough, hard for first half. Uh, Lanty Malloy was marking Liam McHale at centre half back, and uh, Mayo had had their senior All Ireland team out against us, except for one position. And we were down two points at half time, but we, we 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 moved around a couple of players, and all of a sudden we we're in charge of the game. And it was a good, it was a very good game. And in fairness to John O'Mahony, we were having a meal afterwards, and he said, he said we we didn't know Martin Carney told us about this club team coming from New York, and he said we really didn't know about you uh, you boys. But he says we would travel the length and breadth of Ireland tonight, looking for a, looking for a prep game, and we wouldn't get 
Maybe it's a good game as we got out there. Because they would have been ready, wouldn't they, for championship? That yeah. would have been. Yeah, absolutely. So, and then we went on to Leash. It's a beautiful Sunday in Leash. And Tompkins, I think, scored 10 points. And we beat them well. And then we went to Donegal. And we played two, we played two divisional games in Donegal. Won them easily enough. Uh, our two of our best players, Tom Ross and Lanty Malloy, had partied themselves off the team, and we just we we drew with Donegal and Donegal had the full team out. But we would have, in my opinion, again, of course, we'd have easily beaten them. With it. Ross was a great player, a great centre fielder. Was that was that five games he played in the space of two weeks? Was it? Yeah, five games in two weeks. And we won them all. Uh, yeah. yeah, we won them all, and then we we went to Balbofay to play Donegal. And it was it was a wet day, and as I say, I say we were without Latin Malloy, and and uh, the boys had done the right thing. They'd went partying. That had been me. Four games in four games in Ireland, Cork one night, and the other. I couldn't imagine today you bringing home a club team of any or. Even the, and to even be to feature or to give any of these teams even a good warm up match would even be hard to imagine to be but again for you all to be at that level your forward thinking even going down on that morning playing in the rain beforehand yeah. I don't think people would think of that today even or they would just assume they're up to the game anyway to be even even we're complimenting Larry saying he was forward thinking even you were ahead of your time there probably thinking with someone that didn't you didn't necessarily have major managerial experience at home or anything. No, no so did you learn a lot of this just from your love of the game? Just from as my a spectator, love, of, love of the game, watching it. And if I had any skill, it was reading people. You know. Yeah. I, if, if you have, like Jim, like Jim Gavin, your yeah. Dublin manager, as a man of character, absolutely. You, you know well that when he takes over a situation. He, he, the character is going to shine through. He's going to show what his worth is. And you know, I, 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 I when I heard he was made manager of Dublin, I said I should bet every game. <laughs> yeah, they G- got some Jim was return. out. Jim was out here under. Did Jim play? Jim played. Uh, uh, I forget exactly what he. I was going to call him and ask him, what? Did, when did he? What did he do for Donegal? He, he was. Uh, he might have been out about six weeks, for. For two or three games, you know, but he was a real, a real gentleman. Right? Jim would have been able to tell you every game and every minute he played. Yeah, you know, he's yeah. so meticulous about even with people and everything. I've ne- exactly. never came across someone like him to be oh. such. It's hit what you hit on there. It's reading people and but being oh, equally being a people person. Yeah, exactly. That's been able to pick up on that, and I've met him numerous times, and it just blows me away how he's very personable type of guy. But you even said that earlier before we came on air about that he, you weren't surprised at all no. to see the way he was as a manager from start to finish, just exactly. the way he handled himself. But even it reflects in the lads. You see it the way they oh, are. Oh, absolutely. They're, 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 you they're, can see it across the board. There's character in, the, in, in those Dublin lads individually mm. now as a result of being under the management absolutely. of Jim Gavin. Jim was a, was a, was a, was a, he's, he's a good operator. Uh, Donald, just 
the logistics of sending a team out to to Ireland, like obviously you now the game here has kind of evolved and developed, and you know you wouldn't. I'd be saying I'd be correct in saying it's not as strong as it was back then. No, but, it's not. No. But the logistics of getting getting a team together here is hard enough. But getting a team to go back to Ireland to play intercounty teams just right. seems it just seems unbelievable. In right now in 2020, that a team will go back, play number one and beat them all. And beat them no, all. Number two. Yeah. How did, how does logistically how was that set up? Was there who funded it? Well, we we I forget exactly how we we funded it, but I think the IRS won't be listening to this. I don't. I, th- I, don't. I think I think it was just selling tickets. Usually, yeah. one of the usual things: sell the tickets. You know. Yeah. And the, most of the players generated revenue for, the, for their own costs. You know. Yeah. And the club that came through with booking the buses and you know those yeah. those, those those kind of costs. So it it was a. It was a it was a very good uh, uh, two weeks, you know, and and it's only uh, it's only as I go down through the uh, but through the years that I realise that the team was as good as they were, and uh, I, I I think that they could have well, you know, if they were in Ireland in the National League, they would have won it. Yeah, uh, that team could have could have won it. There was that massive love we spoke about the last day when you were here, and it's still there. It's people's probably longing for Ireland as well. When Michael was asking like about funding it and stuff, from my experience of being here, people would love nothing more to fund that. Like the pride the people in New York would have took from that team going home oh, yeah, and yeah. beating that. Like that's like, because still to this day, there's this disrespect type of thing. I've seen Absolutely. it only in the last few years. And you're going home with this New York team, and you're beating these teams. Yeah. Now yeah. it's like it's no longer. I use are over there playing your Mickey Mouse football in Gaelic Park. Right. right. Here's the team. You must have took not only you, but the people that would have helped fund it. Oh, uh, yeah, that, that was, was a huge thing for them to say. There you go. Now, you know, yes, use that yeah. with the stick to beat them. To go home and do that and say, take us serious. Like that is serious now to do that. Like. Oh, it was. It was serious to do it. Huh? I don't know why we did it actually, but it, yeah. was a, it was a worthwhile. Uh, where do you think it's changed from then? Like it was less people coming over and playing. Like to see where oh, it is yeah, today. Absolutely. absolutely like less. obviously we're talking now seventies, eighties, that type of thing. Yeah. Emigration was rampant. It was like yeah, the, you were London or you were New York, so you were exactly. getting these people over. And Gaelic Park was their church on the Sunday. It was the right. We spoke about this many times. You, if you weren't in Gaelic Park on the Sunday, you felt like you missed out. You know, yeah, and we, we we got a lot of good players from Donegal at that time. You know, Eunan uh, McIntyre, Charlie Mulgrew, Lanty Malloy. They were really serious players. Mm. Lanty Malloy was probably the best, one of the best county players ever to come out of Donegal, and he was a brother of Anthony's. Right. And people would say to this day that he was a better player. It's just the old alcohol didn't. Yeah. But he was, a, he was a great player. But New York helped discover so many. Like, arguably, Larry Tompkins would be what would he like, but for yourself and the lads within New York that gave him that gateway to go back and play club in Cork and now became arguably one of the best players of all time. Absolutely. But, but for yourselves and the guys in New York. That would yeah. Have, would have, like, if he'd have stayed in Kildare, by the sounds of it, 
when he tells the story, it would have been very similar to his brother. Exactly. Like just turn his back in Kildare and that's it and probably just remain playing for Eadstown and that would have Absolutely. been it. Absolutely, you're, you're right. You know, and you have like, equally <laughs> New York discovered the Kevin Maddens and the, you know, Aiden Wiseman and these right. other lads. How is, isn't it amazing how Larry meeting the guys ended up back playing, listen to the lads talking about the club, right. brought him back to play yeah. for Cork. Yeah. But how many lads probably slipped through the net having left because of emigration and stuff like that and never finding their way back. Right, right. It's great to see that Larry... But New York, basically, and Larry admitted here the last day that but for New York, he would have, there would be no All-Irelands with Cork. Probably not. No. Yeah, it would be hard to see how it would happen. Yes, oh, I, I agree. Yeah, he, I mean, he he brought Donegal to four New York championships at a, at a wow. very high standard. And uh, that was... Uh, he he was he, when he, he he stayed in Ireland in eighty seven, and we were in the final. So he came out that, that period. Uh, the, he was looking for a job, so he didn't get a job in Ireland. At that time, that was a, t- a difficult time for the Irish economy. But he he, he came back and worked in New York up to Christmas in eighty seven, and did the same in eighty eight. But we, we went into the final in 87 against Connemara Gales and they had mostly Galway players out for the final. And the abuse that Larry took was it was painful to watch. On uh, the p- Physically on the pitch? Physically on the pitch, yes. You know, it was too, just about too much for, for me. So I said, I, I have to figure out a way to, to combat this carry on. But anyway, as as luck would have it, the next year rolled around and Connemara Gales were in the final again against, you know, who Donegal. And the, basically the same team uh, as the year before who was talking out for Donegal. And so I had my problem with Tompkins getting abuse. How do, I, how do I solve that problem? And the funny thing, as luck would have it, you know, the, the world's operates in strange ways. Jack O'Shea called Mike Cassidy. Mike was a great supporter of Donegal and he played for Donegal for years. And he, he, Mike called me, he says, Jack O'Shea has won a championship in Kerry and All-Ireland all Championships, uh, Kildare, North American League. The only championship he hasn't won is New York. And he would like us to consider to bring him out. I says, Mike, that's against my it's against my best judgment. I'm gonna to have to drop a player. And I don't want to do that. But I thought about it and I says, Well, Tompkins needs to be protected. And the f- same forward line, good forward line as the year before, but lads that weren't strong enough. Uh, and I thought about it, I, I, I agonised about it for a day or two, and I, I called Jacko, I said, Jacko, I'm going to get stick, I'm gonna take stick over this, but I want you to come out. And I told him the reasoning behind it, what, what, what I was trying to do, I said, so we met with him and, and uh, 
Sunday morning and uh, I told him the team was he was corner forward right corner right corner forward Tompkins was full forward Jacko came out started out corner forward but I said you know what, what that means the, the, the park is all yours so he he won he won the championship for us now it wasn't a huge victory but it meant that they could, three or four players from, from Galway strongmen couldn't line up on behind Tompkins and drill him every ball that came to him. Jacko took over the role of getting scores going up and down the wing. And he got his New York Championship and, and to add to the rest. Add to the rest, <laughs> yes. How did Larry take um, being physically manhandled? Like, did well, Larry was Larry uh, wouldn't wouldn't. I wouldn't cry over getting physically manhandled, but I, I had to worry about his, his health, you know, and I, I wanted to keep him on the field as well. But uh, no, he, he, was, he wasn't afraid of getting manhandled. I remember one day there was a little lad from Tyrone who we were playing Tyrone in Gaelic Park, and this young lad, Larry, won a ball of it, midfield, going towards the stands, and as he turned, to head for a goal I could see A.E. coming out looking for him and I knew what was going to happen A.E. was going to try to take him out which he did try to take him out shoulder to the chest what happened A.E. separated shoulder <laughs> <laughs> and he took someone out <laughs> <laughs> and, and Larry didn't see him coming but Larry was never wasn't afraid of a physical game he was a tough man you must have took great uh, self-satisfaction when you seen Larry winning club chat at home with like Castlehaven and then to go on. Oh, absolutely! For Cork. Sure, sure, it was, it was, you know, did you travel was, home for any of the All Irelands when he was at uh, Cork? You must have. I, I travelled for the Castlehaven games. Oh, that's great. Yeah, it was. It was great to see it, and and uh, uh, I don't want to speak against Cork people they're, they're good friends go ahead I don't, don't know any of you but, but uh, Tom, Tompkins was kind of hidden in the Cork setup. but uh, you know people were comparing players in the Cork panel to Tompkins not a chance no <laughs> not, not even closely and so Don you, you were reading about Larry in the papers and you hadn't seen him I hadn't seen him no. so when he came out and he played his first, were you instantly was did you see him for 30 minutes and say instantly this this guy is just something that I haven't seen before or he came off the pitch and he said that he didn't play well well a ball, I saw both how did he strike you first I saw both I saw he's, this guy can play yeah. and he's strong which is what we need I know he can score uh, either from freeze or from play and uh, he was something. He was something special. My uh, train thought. But he had that winning mentality. As you said for, oh, someone, for someone like I'm no disrespect to anybody. He says, but even you recognize when someone comes over and is complaining about their how they're playing in New York. Right. They're normally complaining about like you know, it's called a spade a spade. They're coming over thinking right. This is going to be handy bit of good weather here we'll head down to yeah. the city every night couple yeah, of games absolutely. whereas Larry clearly would 
you know no if it was a game of marbles he definitely seems to have oh, that winning absolutely, mentality absolutely you know when he t- tells the story about going home and even doing the running with Cork and his first and he thought Billy Morgan was just going easy on him right which is similar when you obviously went when you went home and your dad passed away you came back the lads must have been pretty happy to see you coming back <laughs> don't leave us with this Boy. guy don't leave us with this guy for too much longer <laughs> no exactly so we fellas carried up the stairs for, 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 for Tompkins or something else we didn't get to ask him much the last day ourselves we early days of this podcast but we realised how would you how was his managerial like um, rain with Cork when you went back when you were watching from afar no I I I think he didn't have a strong panel in Cork, and Larry would think that he could st- strengthen any group of men, which he mm. proved as a player. He, you know, what he did for for Martin Connolly and Tom Ross, fellas like that, they saw a physical side to Gaelic football that they never saw before, mm. you know. And but it it, it wasn't. It wasn't unfair. It was. It was. You know, he he was. Uh, he was a man of. He was a man of character. He didn't. He, he wasn't out to abuse people on the field. But he was. But but he came physically fit. I mean, he did. He did. He did uh, things like the family went to Galway for Christmas dinner to some relatives. Larry went off to found a gym in Galway University and trained for four or five hours. Mm. That's the kind of person he was. I have a couple of family members like that too, but I'd rather go to the gym for four hours as well. So <laughs> <laughs> there could have been a couple, could have been a couple of sides to that. Too much. Uh, no, no, wouldn't read. Uh, but read. like it's just on your own side when you just hitting back on something there earlier on. Do you buy any stock into sort of sometimes that? especially today managers get jobs because of their reputation as a player and something what I'm pointing at is you never played football at that level yourself no but yet you could see how it was supposed to be managed people person thing you just seen things that to you looked you know obvious or you were able to manage people yeah and then you see sometimes like someone of Larry's level of a player it must have been hard I find when you look at great sports people sometimes they say famously about Bobby Charlton and, or even you know certain lads Glenn Hoddle they couldn't understand how certain lads couldn't do what they could do exactly because they were at that level I find sometimes people that never played the sport like all the great managers a lot of the time some of them never really achieved anything as a player no but they became better <coughs> so your own thing on your own end it's still I keep going back to it but it's pretty amazing that what you've seen and again, we're going back to the year of, like, you weren't seeing a lot of Gaelic football, apart from the tapes on a Monday night and no, stuff yeah, like exactly, that. Exactly. Yeah, and you came out here, what, 18 years of age? 18 years, yeah. You know, you're a child, you know, yeah, coming to New yeah. York. So a lot of football you've seen in person was actually in Gaelic Park. In Gaelic Park. So it shows you the level that you were seeing in Gaelic Park. Yeah, it was, it was, a, it was a serious level, and, uh, you know, it wasn't recorded very like if a Fair team enough. did what your team did by going home and beating these four teams and drawing with Donegal and stuff like that yeah there'd be a serious celebration on this side and there'd be an inquest on the other side <laughs> like on both sides like Absolutely. it seems to get brushed away like that it wasn't that big of a deal like yeah well we we're, we had a 
Jim, Jim Gavin psychology. We didn't brag too much about. True. Yeah. You know, just move on. Just move on. Yeah. And where do you see it today, as regards to football here in New York? And I wanted to see what you thought of potentially New York playing a backdoor game in the championship. Do you see it as something that's possible? Like it's not, immigration is not what it was. No, immigration is a problem. Do you still think it's a problem as regards to the team? Like I know, like I was, I'm 20 years here now, and I, I said to Pat the last time I remember there was a time you'd be in a bar and you'd pay a handful of lads with a green card. Yeah. Today I know myself from running here you wouldn't find an illegal young Irish person they don't I'm not saying they do of course it's illegal is still there but the younger generation thankfully they wouldn't stay illegal anymore no they're no. generally coming on a visa right and they're they, getting they, hard straight out of college yeah. and so and they eventually work their way to they do. some some yeah and they're right too like their family members here their brothers or their family Absolutely. home they wouldn't allow them to do it I wouldn't allow my brother to do it today no, and no. I've done it myself for years yeah, yeah. But do you see, uh, you, do you envi- envision a backdoor game ever for New York? Yeah, I would. Uh, yeah, New York seems to survive and thrive. You know, when you think it's gone, and I, I would hope that you know, I was at an event there recently, organised by Pat, Donegal uh, Dinner Dance, and it was it was a credit to them, you know, mm. and there was a there was a kind of a psych strong psychology of getting of succeeding again you know we're getting getting organized again and maybe maybe it's helped out by a little bit by to make all at home but uh, it, it, it has some merits going forward I think yeah I think hopefully so. but the love is there for like even yeah, more so now because you can watch a GA game on your phone now you yeah. know GA go Absolutely. And it doesn't matter who's in the All-Ireland final. You can't get a flight that week. No, exactly. So the love of football is here. People are going home for it. like Big time, big time. I'm proof of that. I only started watching it in 2011 when Dublin won. <laughs> <laughs> That's true. Now I've got a bar called GAA headquarters. <laughs> there's, hope, there's hope, lads. Ask him anything before 2011. Oh, yeah. Just no, I only started watching it when that ball was halfway through the air in the 74th <laughs> minute. United were going bad at the time, so I needed something else to jump onto. Right, right. <laughs> Back in the eighties, there must have been thousands. At, well, there was thousands at games, wasn't there? There was thousands, thousands of games. Yeah, there was a lot of people, and there still could have been m- much more at the games if the facilities were, were there. Mm. The old the old timers didn't think much into facilities and getting getting proper field and dressing rooms and stuff like that. You know. Yeah, because it's still pretty much the same, isn't it, than it was when you were there, you know? Yeah, absolutely. And obviously we hear all the stories of Randall's Island was always mentioned back then and it got looked over for whatever reasons. And it's great to see what they do in Rockland County now and in places like that. Yeah. So We have have the best football field in East Durham, New York. In East Durham? Okay, very good. (laughs) That's where they should bring the championship then. Bring it up there. Yeah, well... Get Galway and New York up there in May. Yeah. (laughs) Why not? That'll be good. Bring it back to the original old Ireland, East Durham. The, the current setup now with the Gaelic Park and Championship as it is compared to the 80s, obviously it's not going to be. Immigration is a problem. Do, does, do, you, do you think it's been mismanaged, the uh, New York yeah. GA here, to a, to a certain extent? Uh, well, it, it, it has been mismanaged, but you can't. I, I don't think you can 
point the finger at the current management structure. It's been mismanaged for 50, 100 years. <laughs> you know, and it's a shame because facilities like, like GA facilities are organized and developed over time. They're not, they're not, there's no miracles unless we get some of the, maybe our current president or some to, to give us some money to get get a facility up to standard quickly. But you don't, you know, it, the GA has a psychology of developing over the years and unfortunately New York loses out, has lost out on that so far. And I mean, the, the, the last president of the GA in New York was, was a good guy, Lawrence McGrath. Uh, but it, he worked very hard on trying to get Gillick Park redeveloped. And you run into uh, water onto the field that creates a problem for him to get anything done. Because you're talking real money now when you're trying to solve that problem. And whether or not they'll be able to achieve that, that's a, I don't know how, how they're going to get the finances for it. Yeah, they are announcing, I don't know when we released this, but um, they're announcing new plans on the 5th of March. It's not bad, So, um, origin- was it three stories it was supposed to be? You know, it's down to one now? Yes. Yes, on the 5th of March, I believe it is. And what, what was that, Pat? Going, like, I was told that it was originally like a three-story building was going to go in there. They checked the foundations, they had to go down further. Now it's gone from a three-story to a two-story to a one-story. That's correct. Is that the... Yeah. I haven't seen the new plans, yeah. but I believe that's it's going to be a one story. Yeah. They had the, the, Gaelic, the rights to Gaelic Park as well, and they seemed to lose the from the playing pitch. Yeah, it's a, it's a foggy history, that whole thing. You know, you don't yeah. get... It's hard to get <coughs> straight answers about yeah. what, what, why we couldn't get more control over it. People make the argument that, oh, it was great that we kept it alive, but it's not good enough, I think. It should be better than that. Mm-hmm. Uh, I think the Hudson Valley has some hope for a, a kind of a county setup where you could maybe get uh, seven or eight team clubs organised and start to develop up. As far as Albany, I think both sides of the river All right, okay. has a potential as a potential geography. You know, it could something could be done, I think. Like uh, Kingston has started a, a development of an Irish centre within the last couple of weeks. And nearly every town, you know, up, up, up as far as Albany, Albany could have an Irish centre as well. I mean, it's very difficult to create an Irish cultural centre uh, nationwide and expect that you'll get clubs to travel from from California or from different parts of the, con- the country it's just too big yeah. but if you, if you had sections of the country where you have uh, as I say the Hudson Valley it's 150 miles from one end to the other on both sides of the river. 
you could easily have 10 or 12 Irish, Irish cultural centres revolving around music, dance and sport. And, you know, you look at the people in Pearl River that have, that have you know, a huge, huge centre, music centre and huge football centre. They're an example of how things could be developed. We had um, Pat O'Sullivan in here a couple of weeks ago, Pat DeBag O'Sullivan, who's former county GA, or Kerry GA county chairman, and he was born and raised in Sunnyside. Was he? Yeah. But he would be the current uh, Croaks chairman, and, and Pat's idea of the future for GA, New York GA was to have, to do away with the, the county setup. I know someone like you who's a history with different the different counties right but he said it wasn't sustainable he he want he said what they should be trying to do is mirror what we have back home in ireland that you have your local parishes and like you said there now that have your or your centers and build a community around the centers and let mm. the let the centers play each other because you have every year it's i was here last night and uh monaghan were having their uh agm two years they're gone down junior two years mm. ago they were senior mm-hmm because a couple of lads left <clears throat> and I played with Kerry last year they were senior they're going down junior because you can't so th- th- like it's unsustainable like his argument was that the current model is unsustainable and that right. something like that would be that the, you, you'll always have these areas you'll always have parishes whereas kind of clubs here are they've no they've no physical club they've no they've nothing physical to no. it's just they're meeting every they're meeting in like as like here, like the long haul, they don't have their own their own space, you know. Right. right. What would you think something like that would be, or do you, do you think the current structure is fine, or because you see like the, like the Saint Barnabas is the clubs like that that are that are growing the Shannon Gales, you know. Yeah. That's like. Yeah. Is that is that the future? To well, it, it it certainly should be part of the future. I mm. think that depending on how strong people get behind the organisation. I mean, we have, we have 60 acres of land in the centre of East Durham, the village of East Durham, and it's pr- pretty decent structure. Now, we don't have enough money mm. to make it happen, uh, but uh, we, 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 we could, it could be made uh, happen. Mm. Like we could have, we could, uh, but we need, we need, we need, we need cash flow. And would you have enough Irish people up there to... You wouldn't have enough Irish people up there, but you would, ha- you would certainly have them for the summer. You know, okay. it's, a, it's a summer area, and it's always been a summer area. Okay. And, uh, it's the Irish Hamptons. It's a, yeah. It is, it's good. You should go through it. It's a, it's a very interesting place. Yeah. I got a friend of mine to go up, uh, take over the Shamrock House, from, who was a footballer from Carlo, he and his wife, and... I said that this 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 uh, property would suit them very well, and they proved me right. Okay. They're very they're doing very well, yeah. and you know he's he's one of the new breed, and hopefully more to follow. Uh, we we had uh, two or three properties sold this summer, just within a, a, a small space from the church to. Furlong's old bar, and that's what's less than a mile. And it could be 
develop, but I, I see three properties being renovated at the moment. And the, as I say, the field is there, and but we're not using it enough. We, we just use it, the local kids use it for soccer. But I would like to keep it uh, sports. We, we had uh, a team from Derry, a Komogi team from Derry, from St. Pat's and Mara, out a couple of times and they want to come out again this year. But we, 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 we're not able to sustain it. But um, it's, there, there is, an op- there, in my opinion, an opportunity there to do something with it. And I, I'm actually going to try to talk to the GA in Crow Park about it. We could afford to give them the rights to the field. Okay. You know, it's better to have a field filled with kids than, a field, than an empty field. Mm. And, yeah, who knows? I have, an, I have a little story to tell you about the 88 final Donegal, New York. After the, after the game was over, we, Jack O'Shea, uh, and I, I, didn't, I didn't know Jack from Adam, uh, and myself and Larry were in the bar in Gilly Park. And to make small talk, I said, Jack, what's, what's, what's happened to Kerry football? He said, "There's nothing. Ha- nothing has happened to Kerry football if you take this fella back to New York." <laughs> <laughs> he wasn't wrong. He wasn't wrong. <laughs> no. <laughs> and did Tim Keneally play with you as well? He did played with us. Yeah. In that same year, was it, or around the same? Uh, it would have been uh, before that. Before that, it was yeah. called, I think, the '85 year. Because Larry talks about measuring himself against him in his early days, doesn't he? Yeah. I think he came up against him in his early days, and he realised. This is the level I have to get to. Yes. At a very young age. At a very young he came age. back within 12 months. He was very proud of saying that Tim knew who he was then. <laughs> very good. Yeah, that's great. Yeah. Was Pat's plan, Pat's plan played with you as well? Played with us as well, yeah. Yeah, uh, yeah Pat, Pat, Pat's a good fellow. I like yeah. him. We're, we're friends, <laughs> even though Tompkins diminished the friendship for 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 a while that's alright Pat used to people diminishing friendships with him <laughs> uh, you won was it six counties so you won as manager I think something gone. like that yeah, yeah. but we don't we don't worry too much you're, you're kind of like Nemo you know they, <laughs> we don't we don't know where our medals are yeah. <laughs> Jim Gavin now we know where Jim learned his traits from no Jim, it was from Jim, you Jim had them when he came he was he was a good he was a good guy. Do you think he'll come back as a Dublin manager someday? He's still a young, very young man. Uh, it's possible. Uh, I, I, I had mixed feelings about him leaving, you know, mm. but that probably will make sense historically, you know, that he, you know, it, it, he, he get tied up too much, you know, and you, do, you don't have freedom of speech as it were you know and the commitment today is just huge and this is a guy that ended his career went straight into the underage people think like oh he was only in you know Dublin since whatever 2013 or whatever oh I'm sure he's been in Dublin for 25 years I'm sure with a young family it's a serious commitment and he was a and he was a county footballer himself Mm -hmm. which is on the 95 team yeah Yeah. which is how do you rate uh, looking at Donegal so far this year at home now? They're seeing him over the weekend against Dublin, and 
you'd be pretty excited going forward for them. Well, yeah, I, I, yeah, I think uh, Pat mentioned earlier on this evening uh, that the uh, there's a lot of young lads on the team, uh, and he's right. The question would be where where will the leadership come from? Now? You have a great leader in Murphy, but, but I think you. A good county team has five leaders, in my opinion, or a few more. And uh, so it would be great if Donegal, before Murphy leaves the scene of playing, you know, if, he would, if he could rally the troops one more time. Yeah. I mean, he did some job against Dublin on, on Sunday. Oh, he was phenomenal. Yeah. And uh, Dublin were shrewd enough to get him sent off. Yeah, never. And in, in, the, in the event that he got, he'd sacrifice small all day to get Michael yeah. Murphy off with him. Yeah, absolutely. Yeah, when you're trying to equalise the game and Michael Murphy's like still <laughs> yeah, on the pitch, it's pretty simple, yeah. like sort of scenario. Yeah. It is. How do you how do you rate football today in comparison to when you coach it? With cynical football seems to be just a. It just seems to be a given nowadays. Or are we talking about it more now than we ever did? Was it always there? I would say it was always the, like everyone seems to use it so much more now. Like Dublin, and I'm from Dublin. Dublin nearly get a pass like more than most. And I'm not saying that they go looking for getting a pass. They showed against Mayo a few years ago. Just end the game. Just tie up everybody. Oh yeah, yeah, it, yeah. no problem doing it, and they're great at doing it. Like everybody is, and you know, you find the northern teams get more of a get a bad rap for it. You know, Tyrone did it a few weeks ago in Clifford. Yeah. And it seemed to be the only thing anyone talked about. Now, I know it was slightly different. They brought a man off the bench who came straight in and automatically starts to fight with Clifford. And right. Clifford gets sent off. With both guys. Yes. Yeah. Like, it seems the referees, when they just see something going on, it reminds me of my mother. You know what I mean? Right. I don't know which one of you started it, but you're both getting put to bed. <laughs> you know what I mean? It can't exactly. be that way every week. No. And no. actually, referees yeah. just seem to come now, and it's yellow card, yellow card. Yeah. You know, common sense there. A referee knows Michael Murphy's on a yellow card. Yeah. David Clifford is on a yellow card. You know, give me. Why would either of these two lads start a route? Now, in Dublin's case, John Small was also on a yellow card, so it doesn't look as bad. But if I know Donegal need an equaliser. I'm taking Michael Murphy out. It's very hard to get an equaliser without him, and that's where, back to your point, the leaders and exactly. Dublin can afford to lose certain lads because they have them all over the pitch. Yeah, and they have them all over the sideline as well. Yeah, it seems that. Uh, I'm, not, uh, I'm positive enough about uh, you know about the game. Uh, I know there's there's things like changing rules. And stuff. Yeah, the mark just seems it, ludicrous. ludicrous. It really does. It makes no makes no sense. And already in the four, whatever amount of weeks we're in, four or five weeks, we, uh, we we spoke earlier about it. It doesn't hasn't played any part in it. No. But equally, that just proves the point. Why yeah. have it in? Why have it? In? Like I think Tomas O'Shea said this morning on one of the podcasts. He said this proof more than anything. Why do we need this mark in? And it's it's all very fine saying now. Oh well, it's, it's not affecting. It's not affecting. But if that happens in any major game in the summer. Oh yeah. Serious. It, it just devalues the game, like absolutely for something that it doesn't need to be. You're right. You must have had some fantastic memories up in Gaelic Park in the, the clubhouse there, uh, Donald. I heard that there was like there's some great times there down through the decades. 
it was a great place of, to as an Irish per- person coming out that it was a great hub great place for meeting people oh. what are your memories of Gaelic Park and the times you had up there yeah well uh, I spent uh, about six, six eight years getting a bit of education when I came out so I kind of missed that uh, you know that social end of Gaelic Park uh, to some extent and then, as I say, I started going back, watching Donegal. I wasn't happy with the football Donegal was playing at the time. Uh, but uh, uh, it's, it's hard to know. Uh, I know a lot of people talk about the, the social aspect of Gaelic Park, which it has some truth to it, but it could have been, it could have been, you know, my opinion, uh, a better social club aspect to it. Uh, but, uh, you know, I, I wasn't one of those people that was looking for much social. Uh, again, again, the Jim Gavin. It's all about the football, don't mind the social aspect. <laughs> we couldn't let you go without asking you something. Where was your thinking? When Larry went home that time to play for Kildare, what was it in your instinct that you knew I better buy this guy a return ticket? How did you know that Kildare were going to um, not come through on their ticket? Well, I don't think it was. I don't think that behaviour would be unique to Kildare. Right. You know that was going on a lot. Mo- back then. Mo- most you the even team. knew that over here. Yeah. Well, most of the teams you don't blame them. Most of the teams are trying to. They were resentful of lads becoming here. Yeah. Yeah. But yeah. it just shows you the selfishness also, because like the Larrys of the world and lads that were, they were coming here to work as well. Like they were well, there absolutely. to feed. Absolutely. Yeah. It wasn't like there was a boom at home and they were just wanted the good life of New York. No, no, no. And, and they didn't get the no. good life of New York. They, Larry worked at his trade, the carpenter. Sure. And he got no thousands of dollars from Donegal, and Porrick yeah. Dunn was the same way. And they, they're all, you know, Union McIntyre, they all, they all come back to you and say, you know, that was a good experience for us. Maybe even though there was, there was a lot of hardship associated with the experience yeah. of them coming to New York and starting out. That's right, but because we made that point. It's like lads work serious hours here, and still yeah, do. And still do. Let's do it. Like, New York's not for everybody. Yeah. But you were still had the fair idea that the Kildare wouldn't come through with that check or that that, that money. So uh, I think you played a massive part in him. And even all these years later, he's still very um, grateful to get to the airport. Like because people wouldn't buy you a ticket today, let alone back in the eighties. That's true. But uh, no, just just to finish the thought of lads working. Or uh, we had a man named Phil Brennan who was associated with the union movement, and he was, you know, he was up at six o'clock in the morning, maybe getting a bartending job, which had nothing to do with him, his trade mm. or his life. But that's the kind of people that were out there. You know, the, the, but the the, uh, the lads all worked hard, or or else they were gone from the job site. Yeah. But that, that, that was that was that was the place we were standing in. We had to we had to do the best we could 
But it is the immigrant immigrant mentality, isn't it? Oh, like, it is. Really. I always is sort of one of my party pieces here. When you be in the bar, you be chatting to people. I'd often ask them. I'll give you a hundred dollars if you can find an Irish person that was on the dole in New York. <laughs> exactly. Because mm. they don't exist. They don't exist. Yeah. No. It doesn't exist. If, you, if, no. you're, if you're not a worker here, you're not lasting. You're, you're gone. Not gonna last. yeah. You're gone home. And that's and it. Any field, you're not going to last. Yeah. yeah. So, don't, just to let people know that you had Donegal GA honoured you uh, last month. Yes. And we have myself and Johnny were going through the quotes from people here. It just just shows you what what high standing you're thought of with people not just Larry but not just Donegal people but people from all over Ireland who came here that you you really looked after them for work and not just work but you're m- more of a kind of um, a life coach for a lot of people that you do you do way you treat people and it, it, it ties into I think your your managerial attributes of being good with people well no. yeah I mean but I think it's exaggerated be honest with you. Oh, Jesus, I had to cut that. <laughs> <laughs> Don't say that. <laughs> to be, to be. I think you're being modest. Yeah, just own it. I, yeah. I, 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 I think you're being honest, but I think you, I th- would I be fair in saying that you did what you, what you had to do? People were coming out here, they're looking for, and it's what anyone would do. Yeah, yeah, absolutely. But it just shows you that Larry came out here, a lot of people came out here to, to celebrate you, and it like, you oh, are yeah, you yeah. are be modest, modest about it. You described I mean, it as an event earlier on the pattern the lads put together and how you know yeah. how many people showed up. Yeah, and you were trading that to New York GEA, but to be fair, they came because it was honouring you as well. Yeah. And it is nice, you know. So I have one here from Martin McHugh, just one of the quotes, and he was just saying he was one of the greatest ever Donegal people to go to New York. He looked after so many people like they were his sons and daughters, and these are just just everywhere. So it just shows you the the high standing that you're that that you're held in, and it should be modest. Back, you want to back us up, Pat? It's hard to cope. The Pat's doing doing does much the same type of work. Yeah. yeah. And you were an, account, an accountant by trade, were you? I was, yeah, for forty years. Ago. Okay. Now you're happy. I'm getting. <laughs> I would I would like to sell my my business and then I'd be happy. Uh, <laughs> and did you, when you came out here when you were eighteen? Did, did you go into when you came out here first? Did you go into a construction site or how did you? Well, where did I, you go for a couple I, of years? I, I wound up in a construction site, all right, a few times. Yeah. And it was hard work, and I said I will not do this all my life. Yeah. And I, I yeah I worked in a bank in Wall Street for a number of years. They okay. and they, they paid for my. Education and accountancy, and they were very decent. They were decent about the Citibank and did, 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 did well through them. And they would let me go out at lunchtime to a class or start okay. in the morning to a class, you know, as, as long as I got my work done. And you obviously lived in the city, so for a great yeah, period of yeah, your life. Yeah, yeah. Whereabouts downtown? Or? I I lived I lived in. Manhattan for a while on the west side, 88th Street. Uh, but I moved to the Bronx to be closer to Gaelic Park. Closer to the park. <laughs> yeah. There's commitment. Former Donegal club player and former New York senior football selector Pat McGill. Donald is, uh, I believe, he's been very modest. Uh, you know, when I look at the Donald's stats and his history with Donegal, 
know, he, he, he took a manager's job in 85 and he got the four senior finals and won them all. You know, that was his first, uh, let's call it the episode. He, he moved into the 90s and he won a championship in the 90s. And then into the noughties, Tony Goldberg in five finals, winning the three in the middle, 2000, okay. 2002. Just goes to show you if you can do it over three decades. That's yeah. You're, that's you're, you're obviously doing something. Yeah, like and learn and learning as the game evolves. Well, learning as, as the yeah. game evolves. And, and did, would you have played under under Donald? I guess I've I've challenged him under Donald. Okay. Yes. And just to give you an idea, you know, Donald spoke about you know all them things that you do in the eighties. You know, there was no cell phones, no email, no. Yeah. He was able to do contact. You know, getting the team out here, winning championships. Fast forward fifteen years. Done it again. Anthony yeah. Lynch, the paid for car, yeah, yeah. paid under Dome. That was one of the key components of us winning Dome. That'd be correct, Dome, and then in 2000. Yeah. He did center back in Dome, yeah. obviously seen that. But as the notes would say in the, in the journal that we, we produced for Dome, you know, all them um, comments, people hold them in the highest regard and highest esteem. And that's why all them notes yeah. and yeah. remarks came from they're striking. They're striking. They're striking yeah, exactly. Yeah. You know, in all household, all household names. Absolutely, and, you know, yeah. Anthony Marmoy, Boring, Donald, yeah. you know, Jack O'Shea. Yeah. Talk to us about just about um, Donald's managerial, um, how he managed teams, and was he a uh, was there hair dryer, blow dryer treatments? No, not so much blow dryer treatment, no, but just very uh, shrewd. Yeah. Yes, and uh, I'll give you a quick story on, from one of our players, uh, Lyle McCready. Played here, he played for Donegal at home. Played several years, but he also played here in one championship first in the early 2000s. Donald made a decision in one of our games that he brought a fellow on off the line to go in and take a free on a certain side. And he went in and he took that free, and then he took him off after. Everybody thought he was a little bit crazy, but yeah. uh, Peter Callaghan came on in an All Ireland final. Came on. Went off and came back on in all Iron Fine. And Niall said that Donald Goller was doing this seven or eight years ago. So yeah. it just goes to show you the, yeah. the uh, outside of the yeah. box thinking yeah. that, that Donald, you know, he had accomplished down through the years. Yeah. Mind you, I wouldn't agree with all this. <laughs> you know, yeah. stats do stand for themselves, mm. so he's, well, he's well, well decorated in that regard. I, I would agree with you, I would understand for some of the things he did. <laughs> You know, I'm going to jog Donald's memory here for a minute that uh, a good man that he brought out in the 80s is a very good friend of mine now, Parik Don from Offaly. And uh, I questioned uh, Parik when I met him about, uh, I said, I heard you were called the Garda Shikana. Would that be right, Donald, calling Parik Don the Garda Shikana? The Garda Shikana. Yeah. So he mentioned about Jack O'Shea being yeah. one of the, say, the henchmen or the strong arms. But Parik Don took that role okay. as well in Kenny yeah. Parik yeah. and he, he, he took care of a lot of he took care of a lot of the stuff that was the physical stuff. Yeah, yeah. If you know the size of Porrick Don. Yeah, you know, Porrick Don was on the 82 team uh, and often it had stopped the, the, the carry. Yeah. Yeah. So Porrick told me that story about, uh, you know, when he, they were going up, they were taking the train to Dublin to the All Ireland final and they were being interviewed, you know, right close to when they were. And he was asking, somebody asked Porrick, were you getting that? Uh, you know, were you nervous? And he said, yeah, I am nervous. I'm nervous to get on the train because I was never on the train before. <laughs> <laughs> that door, right? Yeah. <laughs> yeah so. 
Yeah. Dole's, Dole's yeah. Uh, brought some great people here to this yeah. town, and they've all obviously have high Yeah, it was just not just from when we were in, not just the Donegal people, but like cherished by a, a lot of people down through the years. Totally, yeah. yeah. So, uh, credit. Thank you, man. No problem. Thank you. It was a great, great experience, but I, I'm not used to this kind of. Don't worry, we're not either. <laughs> <laughs> Just the last thing I'd like to say that Don't mention already, I wish Larry Tompkins all the best with his book. Oh, absolutely. And that's all for this week. Let us know what you think by leaving us a comment on Facebook, Instagram, and Twitter at The Long Haul Podcast. And don't forget to like and subscribe. This will ensure that we can get more podcasts to you more often. Our two-part interview with Larry Tompkins and all of our previous podcasts are up on thelonghaulpodcast.com and on all major streaming platforms. Larry's book is available for people in the US through the Guaranteed Irish Shop Facebook page and in the Butcher Block in Sunnyside, Queens. Check out our social media links for more. Oh, you New York girls, can you dance the polka to me? Why, Santi, my dear Annie. Oh, you New York girls, can you dance the polka? And when we got inside the house, the drinks were passed around. The liquor was so awful strong, my head went round.